0: Thank mm-hmm. you. And this is the Nintendo, the best Nintendo podcast on the internet. No Wes this week. Sadly, Wes, yeah, Wes it, is not here. Uh, he's uh, he's in Washington D.C. He's running for Speaker of the House. So I, I know. I, I
1: hope I hope he finds the coalition to make this happen. I think he's got uh, you know he's got the right amount of support from the Dems and the Republicans.
0: Yeah, I have a nice centrist Speaker of the House. Uh, mm-hmm. The only thing I worry about is will he know how to set the schedule for what they're going to vote for? You know, that's that's we'll hard see.
1: part. Well, and also, I mean, he did say that he actually was David Duke with the baggage, so <laughs> I think he misunderstood what it meant to have
0: baggage. Yeah. <laughs> I think he thought it
1: was a compliment.
0: But a bit, a bit of, uh, a, bit of a trip up there. Remember that um, uh, we, we we did a podcast once, and um, he he, God bless Wes. Uh, doesn't know anything about anything really but specifically about the, the klu klux klan and we made like a reference to like a grand wizard and hit the next thing out of his mouth was i want to be a grand wizard and we like to explain oh, we're like no. no you you don't because that's the highest ranking member of the klu klux klan <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh poor Wes.
0: yeah yeah and it's I- it's all on tape <laughs> I'm just
1: imagining a comedy of errors where he ascends to the title of grand wizard, but doesn't realize <laughs> until the very end, what their sole purpose is. <laughs>
0: um, I think uh, that, that could be really funny. I think that the premise would probably get so tortured by the end. Like if you're making yeah. a feature like film out of this, you have to like twist yourself in knots to have him avoid <laughs> the information. that He's joining a racist organization. Wow. Oh, well, wow. Well, well, but it's going to be a mini show. So we'll talk yeah, about whatever yes, we is. demo, please. Mm-hmm. Um, I have some games that we'll get through uh, pretty quickly. I don't have too much to say about any of them in particular. Um, You have a game that we both played. Yes, yes, I do have a game.
1: I'm bringing something new to the table. Uh, Admittedly, I have been playing a lot of games, but the games I've been playing, we have other dedicated shows for. Mm. I've been playing a lot of the Pokemon expansion, and I've been playing a lot of a retro game that we'll talk about from October 2002,
0: whenever we get to that one. So, yeah, but cool. I have
1: one, one officially new
0: game to talk about. And we do also have the tier ranks. we're going to get back into our tier ranks. And it feels like it's yeah. been a while since we've done that. Uh, yeah, but- I mean, gosh, I, I think my
1: my notes are like at least two months old, three months old, so... It'll be fun. It'll be fun to dive into a couple of games, and also ones that aren't just, like, weirdo footnotes that you found somewhere in,
0: like, a dustbin <laughs> where you're like,
1: oh, good news. we got to talk about fucking Clippy or whatever the hell his name
0: is. <laughs> We're going to talk about Rusty's Real Deal Baseball. <laughs> yes. It wouldn't count as a franchise. We're ranking franchises here. Um, Wait, Backyard know, Baseball what, what, doesn't count either? <laughs> which one?
1: Backyard Baseball doesn't count either?
0: <laughs> I mean, that might not be a Nintendo franchise.
1: Mm-hmm. You might get off on a
0: technicality on that one. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Before we get into the games, uh, you want to time capsule this one? Yeah, let's do it. Let's time capsule this episode. Uh, The Dodgers got swept out of the playoffs by the Arizona Diamondbacks. The Snakes knocked them out in three. The Braves are on the brink of being eliminated from the MLB playoffs because they pissed off Bryce Harper. (laughs) That's wild. Kevin McCarthy came back to his friends, lost his job, and uh, his... his. Uh, seeming just today, just a few hours ago, the the guy who's seemingly going to be the, the follow up speaker of the House to Kevin McCarthy uh, withdrew, took his name out of the hat. And now I don't know what they're going to do at this point. Um, Donald Trump, our obvious former president or obviously criminal former president, uh, was found liable for fraud. Yes, And didn't even need to show up for court for that one. The judge looked at the paper and was like, yeah, you're you're a fraudster, so you're going to owe us some money here.
1: Yeah, oh that killed me when the judge was basically like, No, I think we're ready to go to damages. <laughs> we right. Don't, we don't even need to have a trial.
0: <laughs> no one like had said a word. They just like turned to some paper and were like, Oh yeah, you definitely did this, dude. Yeah, he it was so brazenly
1: so brazenly corrupt. But yeah. So he's got that going down. Oh yeah, and I think it's funny that, you know, you're just to go back to what you said at the top of the bill there that I literally watched some of the game last night. It looked like it was gonna go till midnight, but mm. Uh, The Diamondbacks had four solo home runs in one inning, which apparently had never happened before in in playoff baseball. So, yeah, it's funny to see the Dodgers get bounced. Because the Dodgers and Braves recently won titles, if I'm not Mm -hmm. mistaken, right? And I think the Dodgers won in 2020, and the Braves maybe even last year, was it? Or maybe the year before that?
0: Yeah, I think they won in 21.
1: Yeah, so um, shame to see that the Astros are still there. But
0: you know, uh, yeah, the Houston Cheaters. <laughs> yeah, the Houston Cheaters. <laughs> they've, 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 kind of they've, a...
1: they've reformed themselves though, so I guess <laughs> yeah. if, you know, anyone's they win from, from that point on, we'll go ahead and count them as, <laughs> as valid.
0: But like, it has been a wild season for Houston in particular because they were kind of up and down within their division for a while, but they were able to like uh pull out a division win right at the end there because like the the Mariners uh sadly Imploded on themselves, not really like to, to that extent, but they weren't able to get to the playoffs. And uh, Texas, um, the, the Rangers, were able to get into the playoffs, partly because of uh, what happened with Seattle. Um, they were they were able to, to, to get in the wild card, but yeah, it's 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 been a wild playoffs too because like the the Dodgers and the Braves in particular are like considered like the class of the National League, and they're probably like two of the best teams on paper in the league the orioles had like this magical breakout season where all their young talent started paying off and they won a ton of games i think they won 101 games and they got knocked out of the playoffs um by the rangers they didn't even i don't think they won a game against the rangers they got knocked out quick the rays got uh, swept out of the playoffs um which you know the the Rays and the Orioles like they, they and the the Toronto Blue Jays all three teams from the AL East that got into the playoffs just were eliminated almost immediately.
1: That's kind of wild. I imagine this is probably the first playoffs in a long, long time that hasn't seen some kind of representation from the AL East.
0: Yeah, at least yeah. go into the divisional round. Yeah, and it was a, a division where four out of the five teams were over 500. We don't need to talk about who wasn't. Over 500. That's I didn't... Okay. They were, weren't they just, like... Weren't, weren't the Sox just,
1: like, one game under 500? They were basically a 500 ball
0: club. They they were uh, 78 and 84. That's more so, than one. Yeah, a, a few games <laughs> under 500. Sex <laughs> like, out. I, I guess, technically, they overachieved. I thought they were going to be, like, slightly over 500. So, in uh, according to what I expected from the team, they underachieved. But, mm. like, the, the predictive machines... You know, the, the, the eggheads that used their computers kind of predicted that they would win 74 games. So they overachieved a little bit, according to, you know, all the statisticians out there.
1: I remember at the start of the season, yeah, it was very doom and gloom for the the Red Sox. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people thought this was going to be, a, you know, pe- people were just mad at the franchise and thinking it was terribly mismanaged. And that, you know, they weren't putting, right rightly so, that they weren't putting money into the ball club. Mm. and if anything this just kind of begs the question like what if they had <laughs> Yeah. what if they had yeah. where would they be right now you know if they had been that team that was willing to actually put up a
0: fight and try to try to build something big true sure. but anyway oh the, the last uh, bit of uh, the time capsule thing that I want to tag on here not a fun one uh, Hamas uh, unprovoked uncalled for uh, attacked Israel kidnapped a bunch of kids uh, still has them um not okay yeah
1: yeah. killed killed over a thousand people um in israel and it's almost exclusively civilians um yeah yeah it's it's a truly brutal i I think that you know you know you don't see this kind of brutality in first world countries or whatever you would want to call them anymore it seems like this is a a foreign thing from the past uh but yeah it's it's really really sick I don't know. I don't know. Well, we're living living history in real time, so it's hard to say how this thing is going to fall out. But certainly, um, I think this is the end of what was the modern state of Palestine. Mm. I think uh, certainly there there will never be Hamas leadership there ever again,
0: thankfully. And and after this, nor should there be. Like, uh, this isn't... A politics podcast, even though we do sometimes veer into that territory, but we can, yeah. you know, we can say whatever we want about, you know, how how the Israeli government has drifted to the more conservative, reactionary uh, side of politics, and the the really poor treatment of the people of Palestine in general. But there's there's never a reason to commit this sort of brutality, um, and the people who did it should immediately return the hostages and turn themselves in to be tried for war crimes Um, this this sort of uh, brutality and attacks like it accomplishes nothing they have done nothing to advance their cause of of whatever it might be like a a separate Palestinian state or whatever it is that they actually want for all of this like they've only hurt their cause with this action this disgusting action
1: yeah, yeah, and I, I think that's kind of the the speculation I've heard is that this was done solely for the purpose of trying to make Israel overreact and their response and appear uh, to to be sort of the villains of this scenario that's oppressing the poor Palestinian people. That that's kind of what they want to portray. And they also understand that there's currently um, uh, some sort of negotiations between Israel and Saudi Arabia, who, for their faults, is is probably one of the more mainstream muslim nations in the middle east um one of the more diplomatic ones and that they were trying to make some strides towards normalization of their relationship so uh this was designed to halt that or to to kind of stop that as best as they can so Gross. Uh, again again we're working we, we do kind of veer out of this i think we have a lot of fun trashing american politicians it's this is um you know a situation that could could truly go sideways. Could escalate in all kinds of terrible ways. So we'll just have to have to see how it plays
0: out. Now, mm. well, living history. Yep. I've been playing War Groove too.
1: Okay, so you're ready <laughs> to go join the front lines. <laughs>
0: <laughs> kind of an awkward transition, but hey. Yeah. Um, and I I really like this game. Uh, just kind of to put it into context, uh, War Groove One. I think was out in 2019. It is this. Uh, sort of more uh, fantasy medieval take on advanced wars where you have your your units, you can produce more units and it's this game of chess to like building units that will counter uh, your your enemy's army in effective ways and also allow you to capture territory. It's a lot like advanced wars where there are in most missions structures that you're capturing that are going to produce money for you to build more units and you keep like you try to keep pushing forward uh, in the most effective way possible. There, there are some like nice little twists on the advance wars formula. So rather than having uh, a, a unit have to like rest on a building in order to replenish HP, um, you are or rather sort of like purchasing your HP back. So every every structure that you capture will have its own uh, HP, and that will correspond to um, how long you've had it within your possession. The longer you have a build in your possession, the more its its HP will tick up and max out at 10. Um, and when you have an injured unit, if you bring them back to one of your structures, you can pretty much just uh, pay a fraction of the cost of what it would to pr- would it be to produce a new one and restore all of their HP if the structure is, is capable of doing so. Like if you have a structure that only has one HP left, you're not going to... Uh, get anything back. You're not going to be able to restore anything. So having structures within your control for a long time really pays off with uh, just maintaining your armies. Um, well, it's like a
1: it's a subtle difference, but I think it it means a lot in terms of the battles because like you know how it would always be in advanced wars where you get one and then it's like now you're just going to have to park a tank on it for four turns. Like, yeah. it, it survived its big hit, but even then if you take it from two to four, it's still not useful. And four to six, it's still not really useful. Yeah,
0: and it makes you think about, okay, I have this unit that has this much HP, there's a building right over there, do I bother going and restoring it? Or do I just kind of, like, put it on the front lines as fodder to, blood? is it like a meat shield for the the next unit that I'm bringing up in order to to save their HP? So there's a lot of uh, give and take to how you're managing your... Or fuel stacking.
1: (laughs) Not to get too too deep into the weeds on it, but sometimes
0: it is nice to instead of trying to get an APC out there to just
1: say, Mm -hmm. combine
0: it, and you combine their ammo, you combine their fuel. That's one thing that um, the game doesn't have, Wargroove, where there isn't like uh, ammunition or fuel. Everything's just kind of like on foot, so you don't have to, uh, to worry about you know, okay, now this tank is out of shells, so now i got to get an APC over there, or get it back to a city mm-hmm. but they, they do have like um, sort of uh, uh, facsimiles of those types of heavier units, you have your basic infantry, uh, with a couple of different types, so archers and pike infantry, uh, mounted units which are kind of like your, your uh, more mobile recon kind of things, and then every sort of faction has different takes on all of these units where they're performing the same functions, but they look a little bit different. They look more themed to what that particular faction specializes in. So there's a bunch of plant people, and their like big tanky unit is a big tree. Um, whereas like your your regular like vanilla medieval faction, their um, tanky character is like this this big like rook looking knight. Hmm. Uh, I I have noticed that War Group Two. It feels a little bit easier than Wargroove 1. In the first one, uh, you were able to sort of calibrate the difficulty um, sort of by not like picking like easy, normal, hard, but like calibrating, okay, uh, I need to drop down the amount of damage my units are taking and also drop down the cost of the different units. And that's how you sort of like uh, tuned it to how you wanted to play. Um, there, there is a default difficulty in War Group, and you can like tone it down. I think three different levels of difficulty, um, but it still has the sort of uh, slider bars, so you can pick like from default difficulty settings, or you can tune it to your own uh, preference if you feel like it. But I, I haven't like really needed to mess with that stuff at all. Um, because the, the missions themselves aren't particularly difficult, but what they've done is they've added sort of side objectives. Like, hey, defeat the boss with this unit, or complete this map without losing any of your archers, that sort of thing. So if you're going for these these bonus completion things, like these, these little gold stars that they'll give you, it helps... Uh, Give you that extra boost of difficulty if you're interested in that sort of thing. There are some missions where I'm like, okay, I want to try to do all of these, and there are other missions where I'm like, yeah, I'll I'll try to do like one extra of these things because that other one doesn't look like something I want to bother with. One time I got cheated out of a, a bonus because I had to uh, have all of my my commander users commander units, um, which I think appeared in a fire emblem game or sorry not fire emblem um, advance wars because you have like your Co powers in advance wars mm-hmm. that build up just with any of your units taking action um, that happens in war groove as well but you build up more points to your toward your Co powers uh when your little commanding officer unit is doing actions and like their, their powers are useful, but they're not anything overpowering. I think in advanced is days of ruin. There was actually like units where your commanding officer was like housed in that unit. So you wanted to protect it. Um, and they're, they're sturdier in war groove too. The, the commanding officer units are, are sturdier than your standard units, So you can, you know, kind of use them to uh, help you at the front lines rather than playing really defensive with them. Um, Anyway, where was I going with this? I was talking about commanding officers because I was talking about... Uh, you oh, you were talking I, about I, how the the
1: you know the difficulty of the game and it, how it feels a little more balanced.
0: I got cheated out of like uh, an extra little uh, bonus achievement because there was a particular mission was like, get all of your commanding units to this escape zone. And one of the bonus objectives was like, hey, you have these two little robot dudes with you. Make sure they survive too. And when I got... Uh, I had them all, like, they were on a bridge. They were totally safe. I was totally out of reach of all of the enemy units because I I used a bunch of other units as a a shield that were expendable. (laughs) Um, So they were all getting to the safe zone. When I got the second of four, no, sorry, the second of three of the commanding officer units to the safe zone, the bridge that was holding one of my robots collapsed. And I was like, "Congratulations, you won the map!" I'm like, no, I didn't get them all, and also, like, you didn't tell me that bridge was going to collapse. It's like, never mind, you won. You can't rewind. I'm like, okay, fine. But yeah, I've, I've been having a, a really good time with it. I recommend this if, uh, if if anyone's into like advanced wars kind of games. Really, really good.
1: Was there like a neat cutscene after that where it's like one of the CEOs, the CEOs is happily playing with two of their robots, and the other one's just like <laughs> sobbing in the corner? <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, that'd be fun. <laughs> But Ryan, you got a game too.
1: Yeah, yeah. The, the game that I did pick up, um, it was one that it looks very much like a kind of a silly meme game, but it was called Trombone Champ. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I, I think we watched this in one of those Nintendo Direct trailers, and it was just looked delightful. So I was like, I got to try this out. It is It's a music rhythm game that is centered around the trombone, uh, which you might think like, Why? Um, <laughs> it's a very silly instrument. It really, really is. Um, and, I, and I think that's what's fun about it is that, you know, if you think of all the other, you know, co- popular music rhythm games that have come out, um, you know, like obviously Guitar Hero or even something like a Donkey Kong Jungle Beat or whatever. DJ Hero? Yeah. I forget what it was, but there was a really cool, um, like, DJ mixing game I got um, that was available on the Switch. About a year ago that I really liked hmm. and it was yeah you used a lot of like um, like mainstream and classic songs so you could kind of we're not talking about that game we're talking about uh, Trombone Champ um, and yeah yeah so the I guess the thing about it is that even if you were to play it perfectly right it still sounds hilariously bad because it's yep. just a trombone it's one of the weirdest and silliest instruments in all of music and I think that that's kind of what they're trying to capture with this is that you know um, and, and it's it's uh, got I think it's about sixty songs. It's got tons and tons Ooh. of songs for you to, to work your way through. And it's not gonna be a lot of like uh you know top forty kind of music. It's going to be a lot of like classic songs that you'll recognize and know. And also the with a pension for more silly songs, like songs that you might hear at like a circus or um, things like certain nations and national anthems or just kind of like fun polka songs. So like knowingly dorky and stupid songs are essentially largely what you're playing. And yeah, and and you have like a little slider and you have a button to essentially blow air through the trombone. And then your job is basically just to sort of match the bar as it slides along. So you're sort of playing it like someone would play a trombone if they were sliding it up and down. Oh, and of course like trombones, you know, like if you look at a trumpet, trumpet's got three little buttons. So you are either holding a button down or not. It's very, you know, it's very... I don't know what you'd say, just on or off with a trombone. You just sort of have to guess there's sort of like a feel to it. Yeah. Um, And I think that that's what they're trying to capture again, even though that it's silly and it sounds ridiculous when you play. um, And it's definitely a party game. It is definitely much more fun to play with two or three other people where everyone's just like trying to get these trombones to sound right. And, you know, again, in the mix of sounds, you know, you'll, you'll eventually see what you're supposed to be doing. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I'm honestly I've very much enjoyed this game. I I don't remember the price point. I want to say it was, it was either 19.99 or 20.99 or 29.99. Um, you know, not not a not a AAA title by any stretch. Um, but certainly fun. And um, I think my only real complaint, and I don't know how much this is me or how much this is this is the game, but I've had a really difficult time. Getting the controls to work. Mm-hmm. Um, they have four different ways that you can actually use the controller, and it's cool that they have all of these options. It's, and there's one that is supposed to be working with your right Joy-Con and using that sensor. Um, and you kind of like the further your hand o- is away from it, the deeper the tone, and the closer it is, the higher it is. So essentially, you're 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 using the motion control with your palm to control it. And I literally cannot get it to work. I haven't. I have like done everything i can to try to make it work at least i think i have i I have like nintendo official joy cons that i'm playing with and i haven't been able to get it to work but you know then the other just you know any other pro controller even or any other joy con that has motion controls can play along and that's that's the mode i've been playing um
0: yeah that's the mode that we played when uh we we were over at your place. We tried a few rounds. Like for, for some reason, like when we got to three players, uh, Wes could not get the, the controller. Would always just lose connection or just not function. I forgot about that.
1: Yeah, yeah, that was another problem where controllers are just kind of dropping off. Um, so that's that's kind of tough because it can have four players, and you you ideally want to have four players. Yeah. Because um, I not un- sounds
0: the worst, and that's when it's the funnest.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I haven't unlocked it yet, but it sounds like they have other uh, kits. So, you know, there's a, by default, you have the regular trombone and the bass trombone, but it seems like there might be other different kinds of instruments Mm. that you could be playing with it. So that would be, I don't even know what they are. I haven't bothered to look into
0: it, but yeah.
1: Uh, What did you think of it? You did, you did play it. What was your opinion? Oh,
0: it's, it's a hoot. Like that, that game is is so funny because, uh, it's, it's very difficult to actually do it right. Um, but it, and it sounds terrible when you're doing it wrong, but it sounds (laughs) hilarious uh, because you're, like you're you're playing like you're saying like the 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 selection of songs they're they're all just very deeply silly. Um, oh oh, and they uh, they they have like the little trombone facts. Oh yeah, them.
1: every level starts with a hilarious trombone fact, which are all just like 100% blatantly true. wrong. Like like one was like uh the trombone was invented twenty billion years ago, <laughs>
0: <laughs> or it takes like a hundred people. A full year to make one trombone <laughs> yeah oh the, the average trombone
1: contains four to five spiders <laughs> so, <laughs> Which like, all, true. Of, all, all of their facts were just just hilarious they're they're just so funny oh yeah and like um you know it's, it's not just that you're saying like you know in, in like guitar hero i remember you would see your band on a stage playing as that thing was going by trombone uh champ just has the s- silliest stupidest visuals that come up as the levels progress. So like on the ca- like when you're doing Oh Canada, you know, like the I don't know if it's a national anthem but it's a significant song for Canada, like a bunch of just like beavers, like pictures of actual beavers just <laughs> start popping up. Like it's all of the the backgrounds are just so camp. They're just so delightfully silly.
0: I I think um I think the national anthem for Canada is "One Week" by the Bare Naked Ladies.
1: Oh, I think you might be right about that. Yeah, that,
0: that seems right. Famous
1: Canadian group. Yeah, yeah. that's that's yeah. Ob- obviously it. I think maybe did they they recorded they they were the ones that wrote "Oh Canada," though, right? That was part of that was on their first album.
0: Yeah, probably. probably. So,
1: I mean, it's the same group.
0: Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, I, I, any I, I would
1: recommend it. It's a good game.
0: Yeah, I did a quick uh, fact check. It's fourteen ninety nine. So, oh yeah, doing that much.
1: Oh yeah, for fourteen ninety nine, this game's a, a, well worth it. It's it's a fun one.
0: Uh, I picked up an eShop shop game uh, about a week ago when it came out. That game, Cocoon, it was a pretty cheap one too. I think it was nineteen ninety nine. But this is the one from the lead designer of Inside and um, Limbo. Uh, and th- this game, great uh, pedigree was, there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I finish it and it is real real good so it is like a same sort of uh, I, I guess like an adjacent genre where it's a, a top down uh, puzzler game as opposed to a side scrolling sort of a uh, puzzle adventure game um, mm-hmm. and the the basic premise of Cocoon is you have different uh, zones it's Uh, levels i I suppose uh would be an okay way to describe it but and they're they're kind of denoted by colors you have your orange zone and within there you have these these sort of uh, uh lateral puzzles that you're working your way through and then you are able to like when when you get to the the end of that zone you exit out of it And it's then represented by an orange orb which you can then pick up and take around with you through this hub area. And placing it down uh, will activate certain things. And it's also like there are these uh, bridges that are imperceptible unless you are carrying around the orange orb and then kind of manifests them in front of you. And you work through puzzles that way. And then uh, you come across a a green orb and you go in there and there's a whole other zone within there. And you can go around uh, and solve the puzzles in that zone. Um, and then there there are points where you have to like uh, exit or re-enter or exit and grab the orange orb and take it back in there with you uh, or take it back in there with you and then drop the orange orb down and then enter the orange orb. And it kind of like uh, at several points has like these sort of Inception-esque layers of you're doing multiple things in multiple levels and trying to carry them all with you at the same time. And there are some things that are really, really genius in this game, the way they designed the the puzzles and the progression of it. I was super impressed. And, like, 98% of the game, you're almost you're almost always on the brink of, like, I can't quite figure this out. But just when you think you don't have the solution, you'll see someone, okay, well, let's go try that. And you're usually right if you just kind of try things. They do a r- really good job of, like, gating you off from areas that aren't going to be helpful for you anymore it's not like you go into these open zones and we're gonna spend time like tinkering around with stuff you've already done once you're like past something and you're not gonna need that area anymore it kinda blocks you off from that so you're never working with too much real estate uh, at the same time there's a really really smart way of doing it because there's enough going on in the game to where if you then had to think about well do I need to backtrack here I think it would have been way too much Oh. I think we've all had that moment in like puzzle games we have played or it's like
1: we backtrack and it's like that was never the developer's intention, right? Like the thing you needed was in front of you. There's nothing behind. Like it's mm-hmm. you know, no, nobody making puzzle games wants you to behave like that.
0: And that's that kind of like the thing with uh, Limbo and Inside as well. It was one where you just constantly, you know, just keep on moving left to right, or in some cases down, um, yep. and work on the next thing that you come across. Uh, and I, I don't want to go too deep into spoilers there's practically no story there's no text within the game everything is just like like Hyperlight drifter style like and even Hyperlight drifter had some sort of like uh denominations of like prices of things there was like ways they were trying to communicate through some sort of symbols but there's a like zero text throughout all of cocoon um and they they lead you into where you're supposed to go uh, in really elegant ways um I don't want to get into spoilers. There's no text, so there's no actual like story worth uh, uh, any sort of consideration. The game is not uh, a story-based thing. It's not going to like uh, uh, pull the rug out from underneath you with some sort of genius twist about what's going on. It's like, no, just go solve these puzzles. But there is, uh, to get into, a really uh, minor spoiler about... Uh, the design of a puzzle. There's a point in the game where there's now basically like uh, uh, you, you set up a warp point where you're going uh, in and out of the, the the green orb. It involves the green orb uh, in this particular case, and there's there's a part of the game where through uh, a, a series of mechanic-based puzzles, you are able to get the green orb inside itself. And it's really fucking wild the way it like sets up these these warp points for you to use. And when when it happens, like when uh, you you you're, like setting the green orb down on a space where you can warp out of it and you warp out of it and realize like, well no, I'm still in here. So you somehow yeah. manage to get the orb inside itself, and it it's really fucking mind-bending. They, I was really, really impressed with the the puzzle design of this game. Um and then the other game I've been playing is I, I got the the DLC for Xenoblade Three, which is a game that came out last year. Talk about that one; really, really like that one. I won't go too far into that one. Uh, I really like uh, this DLC. At some, um, so if if any listeners remember, like uh, Xenoblade Two had a dlc package called torn of the golden country was basically like a side game like a 25 or 30 hour side game and then the xenoblade 1 remake did the same thing and now they're doing it with xenoblade 3 where it's not like extra content tacked on to the main game you're actually playing like a 20-25 hour side game that involves some characters that are tangentially related to the the characters and the things going on in the main game but it can be something that's played totally separately you don't have to have any sort of knowledge of any of the other games in order to be able to engage with the game it might help but you know i typically skip all story in the game so there are characters that will like reference things they're like oh i i guess maybe that's something i should understand what they're talking about but i don't anyway where's the next fight um and, and typically, in these sort of uh, DLC uh, uh, spin-offs or, or side games for the Xenoblade series, they do something that will change up the battle system in some minor but significant ways. And that's uh, true here as well. And the, the Xenoblade 3 battle system was good, but I felt it was a little bit disjointed. I th- they, they eliminated some things from the battle system that make it feel a little bit more compact and cohesive. But yeah, it's uh, it's working with entirely new zones, so you can see some some new areas, i uh, in the game. If that's your thing, um, I I really like the the way that. Um they also set all of these goal goalposts for you. Like, hey, there's a bunch of different objectives that you have. All like uh, side objectives to your main game. Your main uh, quest is over that way, and here's a bunch of other stuff you can do if you feel like it. Which is uh, usually what I'm doing. I'm I'm usually engaging with uh, all of the side stuff I can do before I start going after main stuff to go unlock more side stuff. But yeah, really, really good. I like these games.
1: I uh, have you oh, played any? How much? Uh... Or, sorry, uh, like, how, how many extra hours of content would you say it is relative to the main storyline?
0: So far, um, I've put about 20, and I think I'm nearing the end. Uh, most things, like, uh, that, that I've looked at about this game, saying, like, you, you probably spend, like, 18 hours if you're just doing the critical path, but if you're in trying to engage with all the content, you're looking to, to add, like, 30 hours. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. And this was part of, like, a... Uh, a full package of downloadable content, which also added some stuff like new character uh, equipment and new like character quests that you could do in the the main game. And I haven't engaged with any of that yet. And they brought back all the same British voice actors. They brought back the same British voice actors. They they do have Delightful. a couple of token American voice actors, but you know you got people from like the north of England and Scotland and Wales and like in London. Um, I don't know. I haven't spotted any Irish accents yet, but I'm gonna have to pay closer attention. Hmm. But yeah, because um, no Rhine in this case. That's that's a bummer. That's but a bummer. It is. But they
1: can't all be Rhine. Maybe his ancestors are there. Maybe you know, Maybe. For...
0: it's it's Rhine time somewhere. That's the important thing.
1: Right as always. And you know what? It's just it just makes me happy to know that somewhere in deep space are the Irish.
0: <laughs> 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 yep, they're around. Uh, have you played any more of uh, your your Zelda passive run?
1: Um, not really. I mean, I booted. It's one of those things where it's like, yeah, I played like three or four hours of it, and I don't think I did anything meaningful. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I just booted it up
0: and was having so much fun. Well, oh, that's the best part of the game. Um, did I do anything here? No, but yes.
1: I think I've I've done two shrines so far, or two of the main um, story beats. Uh, again, started with the Village again this time, mm-hmm. and. I decided I'd take the least useful route, and I went to, um, oh gosh, how have I already forgotten the names of everything? But the one in the Southwest, the... Uh, the.
0: Oh, the Gerudo? Um,
1: yeah, the Gerudo uh, quest line did that one. so. Yeah, that's
0: not going to be a helpful one when it comes to not engaging with combat. Yeah,
1: yeah, but, you know, I mean, at, at the, I've, I've beaten the game already, and I can tell you, the game's not hard. The mm-hmm. game is not... Hard at all if you just want to like. The, the, there are maybe some. The probably the trickiest part is certain puzzles. Like once you've maxed out literally any armor set, it's you know it's pretty easy peasy.
0: Yeah, I, I finished off the game a couple of weeks ago too.
1: But so what's your? Uh, what we here we sit in October. Didn't the game come out in I think May? Yeah, middle of May. Wow. So yeah, you really wrote this one out. You yep. got. You got every every penny's worth out of it, certainly. Well, what's so? Yeah. What's the? Uh, what do you think? Postmortem. That's okay.
0: It <laughs> it's all right. Okay. It's all right. It's fine. <laughs> no, really, really, really good. <laughs> uh, I, I put uh, over two hundred hours. My my completion uh, mm-hmm. when I uh, finished it was at seventy eight point zero four percent, which I thought was pretty good. That's pretty um, good. And, and I do intend to go back and try to find all the caves. I did do things like all the wells and all the shrines and all the light routes, all the sages' wells, that kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But there's still like just a ton of like hynoxes and uh, froxes. All those like mostly down the depths, because the depths was the area where I was pretty much like, okay, let's chase all the waypoints. And if I come across something cool, but I'm not really gonna be too thorough down here. I was a lot more thorough on the thir- on the surface in the sky um i was really shocked at just how many
1: fucking high knocks yeah there are in the game like yeah. cause it, I, I did all the monster quests and i beat them all and yeah it is kind of insane especially in the depths you forget just how many of them are
0: down there mm-hmm. yeah um but I, I really liked the the end game where you had to like go through like a couple of different waves of uh you, you know like defeat all of the enemies in this room and then the the you get uh, a battle against Ganondorf and then he goes through his like transformation and becomes like mega Ganondorf or whatever he becomes. Um, and then the, Mm -hmm. like the, the, the whole like dragon battle in the sky was pretty cool as well. That That was a very cool sequence. Yeah. I, I I thought like it's just kind of nitpicky. Um, I felt that it was a little bit sluggish, like it wasn't very quickly paced. I understand why they're working with a lot of real estate up there in the sky, and just like the scale of what they were doing probably been very difficult to make it move quickly. So, you know, I don't think it was like a flaw in the game, but that was really fun. Um, But yeah, really, really cool. Uh, One one other like small little nitpick, I think they rolled the credits a little too late because I think like what you want to do uh from a storytelling perspective here is you want to hit people with the credits at like the absolute like highest point of emotional catharsis and that was obviously like when when you when you beat up Ganondorf dragon when you pop all the eyes on his back or whatever it was and like he evaporates and then Zelda who was the light dragon um Turns back into to Hylian Zelda, and she's fallen down. She's unconscious, and you got to dive after, and you're holding the button, and you're like, uh, "Dive faster!" Which is, I don't know if that's how physics work. I don't. Uh, I'm not a scientist. I don't think it is though. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you got to hold on the button, and like he reaches out his hand. And it's like really close up, and the hand is right there, and then he grasps her hand. That's when they should have hit the credits right there. Um, yeah. And then like everything else should have been like epilogue stuff, but you know. What, what do I know? World of credits when you feel like, I guess.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think uh, you're right. That would have been a very punchy ending. That mm-hmm. would have been a really good, like, moment to kind of just drop the mic on. Yeah, and then, you, like you're saying, have you just, the rest of it roll out.
0: Just, just think about that while you go to watch these credits.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who doesn't love a good movie where it's like that, you know? Like, I was actually just uh, thinking of that movie, like, uh, Another Earth. Which oh, yeah. was, uh Great, and like, do you remember the ending of that one specifically, by any chance?
0: Yeah, yeah. There's uh, Britt Marling, and like, there's like the whole shattered mirror, uh, yeah. thing where there, there, then she has to uh, uh come face to face with her her alternate self, whose life turned out very differently. Yeah, and then that's right when the credits cut. Mm-hmm. She turns around and sees
1: herself, and then that's it. You know like a moment like because again if they had spent 10 minutes being like oh wow so your world you didn't drink and drive good for you how are things like <laughs> or, what, is that, what does or,
0: that get you that's not a great ending to a movie or, or or maybe she did but for some like through through circumstance she was she wasn't distracted uh, enough to accidentally kill somebody could be could be <laughs> there were um there were a couple of movies like I think, like the the same uh, filmmakers. Burt Marling stars in these movies. She she works with a, a producer and director. And um, in, in most of the things that she does, whose name is escaping me at the time, there's one uh, called Sound of My Voice, which they hit you with one of those moments right at the end where you're like, yeah. oh shit, that's what's happening the entire time, and they just roll the credits. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I like that sort of thing when they 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 really like smack you in the face with someone. It's like, oh yeah, now now you have to let that stew for a bit. Uh, any other games that we need to address before we move into our tier rankings here?
1: Uh, no, I mean, I think that that's all I had. If, if you've got anything else you want to go into about Xenoblade, you know, you do love to talk to your Xenoblade.
0: I do love Xenoblade. I do love Zelda. I do love Cocoon. Like, all of these games. All these games that... I uh...
1: like so it's been a good month of gaming for you, yeah.
0: Hell yeah. Um... But, but yeah um, let's do the, let's do the tier rankings if you're up for it for the tier rankings on the docket this time around we got animal crossing we got um 1080 snowboarding or i guess just 1080 uh in this case a yeah. uh, wario wear separate from the uh, wario platformers and then we got the mario <laughs> sports games um do, do we need to review where anything is so far
1: um i don't think so um i I think, yeah, I think these will be fairly easy to grade, and I don't think we'll be too far off. Um, if you wanted to give give a quick rundown, I guess you're, you know, you're more than welcome to. Um, or if you just want, how's about this? Maybe look through and give us a stereotypical... Not stereotypical, that's a bad way to put it. Give us a good answer for what is an S, an A, a B, a C, a D, and an F.
0: So for, for what we're looking for, how things have kind of shaked out here. S tier are like the absolute cream of the crop uh really really well received most of the time sells gangbusters like the the most prestige series we're talking about things like mario pokemon zelda um a tier like highly recognizable stuff typically good quality games um does like a metroid like like a like a metroid or a splatoon made it into the a tier kirby uh, a tier might <clears throat> actually be our smallest tier, but these are these are ones that are, you know, w- with with maybe the if it were consistently breaking like the uh, uh, 12, 13 million sales mark. We don't really have like a hard number where it needs to sell this much, but it, it needs to like have a su- sustained success of selling a ton of units. Uh, B tier. Yeah. You're starting to get into the more niche stuff that still performs really well. Stuff like Fire Emblem, Xenoblade, Paper Mario. Is he a Star Fox? We we put Star Fox in the B, didn't we? Star Fox uh, is down in the D tier. Because that, that is a series that has kind of been bumping around in a dark room for a little while now. Um, True. Uh, C tier is uh, stuff that you know typically does all right for them, but they're kind of like in this limbo state where maybe they don't know where this is going or hasn't achieved like the mainstream success. And maybe it's a, a, a series that had been around for a little while and had some success at some time, but. Uh, maybe have i got this right is bayonetta Bay- bayonetta a good example Bay- of a ct franchise a good example of one where you know it's a, a series that kind of sticks around and it, it, well it'll break a million but it it uh, never lights the world war- on fire and doesn't like remain within the zeitgeist for very long like like hardcore nintendo fans will recognize bayonetta and look forward to it but it doesn't like uh break through the mainstream Pikmin is mm-hmm. currently in the C tier, and we'll see if that holds up. If like uh, cause Pikmin Four did really well for them, and if they can sustain that success, the Pikmin could find its way up in the B tier before too long. I think so. Uh D tier is stuff that like is probably someone's passion project, uh or or something that was popular for a little while, but as the series has kind of faded into the background, we're thinking like things like Kid Icarus, Golden Sun, uh F Zero, although Did we have Fatal Frame? Is Fatal Frame a D tier for us? Or Fatal you, Frame is a D tier.
1: I feel like that's a recognizable one that just yeah, there's no reason you could give that thing a high rating. Right,
0: definitely. these are games that typically don't sell all that great either, and then the F tier are like the ones that, you know th- these are, are series that are probably done, and did not make much of a mark when they were around things like chibi robo dylan's rolling western star tropics another code most of these i have never heard yeah. of so and and you no, know, like uh another code is getting like the remakes early next year <laughs> we, i, I still yeah. don't think it's going to make that much of a dent
1: yeah i think you're right um i think that was a series that we rightfully put in the basement mm. I'm, I'm sorry it's just
0: that, it, it's not like you know, an indictment of quality there could be really good legendary Starfy games that doesn't mean anyone's going to give a shit about Le- legendary Starfy.
1: right right you know there there just has to be some amount of reach and yeah i think that the sales for that were um or for another code were like probably around two hundred thousand for the entire franchise yeah, it's not good. so like you know gosh you can't even push that
0: units so it's it's not a good sign so where, where do you want to start this time around? Um, um where, Wherever you want to pick up is fine with me. Uh, why, um, why don't we talk about Animal Crossing?
1: Cool. Cool, yeah. Yeah, we can start with that one. Um, I guess we'll just go back and forth with, like, notesy type stuff. I'll start by just saying that it was made by EAD slash EPD, which is, like, Nintendo's big in-house thing. The, the first installment was in 2001. Yep. Um, which, and if I got this right, there was like a weird backstory about it, where it was originally an N sixty four Japan only release, and then they released it with an English translation on GameCube. So the first American audiences saw this franchise. It was it was in on the GameCube, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, and we we talked about about that a little bit when we did this one on the Retro Show last month. Um, because it's like some they they were trying to do like some sort of like uh, technical addition to the N sixty four that never fully materialized, so they ended up uh, putting this one on the GameCube because it wasn't able to take advantage of the extra tech that they had uh, in Japan. Mm-hmm. And I see the franchise
1: also has two very successful DS titles called was it Wild World and New Leaf. Yep. Um, yeah, both of those. I never. I mean, I played a lot of DS, um, but. You know, I've always treated it largely like a Pokemon machine. So, a lot of the catalog of the DS, I don't know all that well. I was staggered to see that each of these sold minimum, like, minimum ten million copies a piece. Uh, absolute bangers. Mm-hmm.
0: Did you play those? No, actually, uh, New Horizons is the first one I ever played. And then,
1: yeah, yeah, and then twenty twenty New New Horizons comes out. Uh, what, what would you describe this game as? Just this franchise? Like, the what? What sort of game does one get when they boot up a
0: Animal Crossing? Yeah, I, I think we've talked about this a little bit on previous shows, but like it's it's described as like a social simulation game, but I I don't mm-hmm. really see it as like a social game. Like the gameplay is mostly around. Like your town and building your your town and your home to your liking. Um, there, there are like social aspects to the game where you know you can invite friends to visit or you can go visit their islands and and do different things on each other's islands, like uh, trade resources to grow different fruit or, or vegetables on each other's islands. But it, this can be a really enjoyable, just purely single player experience. Um, just if, like you're checking every day and making minor changes to your island if you want to, or just like if you got to the point where like it's exactly the way you want it to be, just go in there and check in with all of your animal friends to see their dumb little comments that they're making about things. Um. Well, you know it's funny because I heard that term too, and I
1: was like, I was struggling to define it myself, and I think it's interesting that you're saying about it, saying it as social simulation from like you with other people in like the mm. real world. I almost think that when people are talking about that social simulation, are they talking about like your relationship with the villagers themselves? Because they can simultaneously be a really big part of the game, or you could spend hours in the game and not talk to any of right, them. Right. You know, it it kind of depends on how you want to play that game.
0: I think it might be just the lack of other ways to describe it. Um, yeah, you know,
1: there's no puzzle. It's not a puzzle game. It's not an action game. It, <laughs> it's not a. It's, it's not a rhythm game. It, <laughs> there's no trombones. It,
0: it's it's almost more like uh, a virtual set of Legos rather than a video game. You know?
1: Yeah. Oh, and it's it's a very inviting world to be mm-hmm. in. It's also beautifully colored and very um, soft and plushy, and it's all anthropomorphized villagers so they all look like little animals and everyone's really friendly um there's never conflict on the island it's very much you and then and then yeah like you're saying ground up you get to, you can completely build the island to be whatever you want it to be for you um it is it is a game that is like the gaming equivalent of therapy it is just a very holistic experience to play it you know. Uh, and it just reminds you of how stressful other games can be.
0: Yeah, for sure. sure. Uh, I do have a couple other things before we get into some specifics. Um, Sure. The the series is... I guess credit is being created by sort of helmed by uh, Katsuya Iguchi and Hisa Ashii Nogomi. We talked a little bit about them on the Retro Show. Mr. Iguchi, he's a designer and director at Nintendo. He has been since 1988. The first game he worked on was Mario 3. He's still a big time producer at Nintendo. He produces the Splatoon series as well as the Xenoblade series. He's a big deal. Mr. Nogami um, he was a designer and director at Nintendo since 1995. His first game was Yoshi's Island. Also still a producer at Nintendo. Uh, mostly Animal Crossing uh, are, are his credits. So, also, still a really big deal. Um, For whatever reason, Yoshi's Island feels
1: like Animal Crossing, doesn't <laughs> yeah. it? It feels like it has that same sort of uh, soft, enjoyable world.
0: True. True. Like, the series in general is never really at the forefront of, like, tech or communication... Uh, for for the systems that they're on, we talked about the really wonky setup on GameCube. They had like all these ideas for using uh, GBA connectivity and memory cards. They had these ideas, but they seemed kind of held back by the tech, um, all, the, all like the analog tech that they were having to use to do all these things. But even like online play. Uh, became more prominent, Uh, voice chat especially. They just never seemed interested in using these things to sort of push the boundaries of the game. They are kind of just like uh, kind of minimal features. It was kind of like a joke of the series when uh, uh, City Folk on Wii came out. You had to buy like this extra peripheral to have chat, like voice chat within the game. Um, And it really was no better than just like putting your phone on speakerphone and calling the person. (laughs) because um, you also had to like know the person you had to like exchange these friend codes in order to even use the thing but like not, like having like, the, these really low barriers of the tech they're using I think makes it uh, very accessible you don't have to know how to do all these things in order to engage with the game in all these ways so you can just like get in there and build your dollhouse which I think is like the right thing to do with the series I don't think this series should be like at the forefront of pushing tech it can be frustrating at times because there are things that you want to do but you can't. But I think it's correct to have it be like this low-impact game.
1: Yeah, and I think that there is a little bit of collect. It's not to say that you're totally aimless. There are things you can do like uh, bug collecting, fish mm-hmm. collecting, and stuff like that. You know, at least from you know, New Horizons is the game I played too. And that's a big part of it. You kind of like filling out your aquarium, mm-hmm. your whatever the name is for the... the
0: your museum. Little
1: bug, lot, bug museum. Yeah. like So there are objectives and things that you can accomplish within the game to kind of f- feel achievements. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, there's a lot of also sneakily in-depth stuff, like sort of the cross-pollinization of plants yeah. is a big deal in it. Um, you know, you can spend so much time working on your things but then you see what people who have dedicated hundreds of hours to the game and and they're building these just absolutely gorgeous islands where it's like how did they even think of all this stuff you know yeah yeah kind of probably like a good mario maker level you can always see that there are some people who have really really thought about mario maker yep. when they're putting together a level it's the same with a game like this for sure
0: as uh, you do some specifics
1: Yeah, yeah. Let's. Oh, uh, I mean, what? what, I feel like I had some other things to say about it uh, before we get into the actual. Like uh, every game, every game that they've made up there. I mean, I consider it to be four games. You have the original one, and then you've got Wild World, New Leaf, New Horizons. um, All got high 80s or 90s. So very, very well reviewed series. Um, Combined sales probably somewhere around 60 to 80 million units. Just Blows me away. This is the second best... Se- uh, uh, New Horizons is the second best-selling game on the Switch mm-hmm. after only Mario Kart. And keep in mind, the distance between New Horizons at two and I, fr- I don't even remember what the third-ranked game is. I think it's another Mario game. It might but be Smash. It's like 20 million units? Yeah, yeah. There's a huge gap. This game sold like 40-something million units. I think it was probably... One of the very few times we can talk about a video game transcending ga- the gaming space and becoming like a big thing, because it was timed right at the start of lockdown. This game came out, what, March of 2020, yep. I think? Yep. So everybody is sort of trapped at home, needing to escape. And what do you get? This kind of social simulation, something that lets you sort of get out of your own real world. And get into a space where things are just gentle and softer. Um, I, I would say one last point is that um, I think Isabel has become a big character for Nintendo. And K.K. Slider, while not really a big character, has always pumped out the jams. Like, Animal Crossing has an incredible library of music. And you kind of love that, little, that K.K. Slider is their pop star. And that every song he has is a different genre.
0: Yeah, it's you know, it's another thing so. to, to collect. You go to his, his little uh, concerts that he puts on and get a get a yep. new record. A new record. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, so w- that that would that flushes out all the notes I had. Um, but yeah, if you want to get into the rankings, longevity.
0: Uh, longevity. Uh, I think it's like like an A or B. But I do like I, I do want to pose a, a question for our tier rankings here. Like, what what do we want to oh, make sure. like the cutoff for? An a versus a B, like this is an ongoing series. like it just got an entry yeah. three years ago. It's obviously still going. It's not done yet. Um, mm-hmm. and it's been going for twenty years. Uh, I, I think twenty years is probably a good amount of time to say like, yeah, that that gets an A.
1: I think that's an a too. that is half of the lifespan of Nintendo as a gaming company. Okay. Um, I think that's very, very good. Um, and while they don't release a lot of games, if every time they do release a game, it makes like, it sells like ten million units minimum. That's impressive. Yeah, that's, um, I think that
0: that that means that people are coming to the console and they're playing the games. So. That's one of the nice things about the series. Like you get like the, the first game in North America in two thousand two for the GameCube, but then you have games on the DS, the Wii, the three DS, the Switch. Um, Yep. Th- those are all, like, the major... Like, you get one per major platform. You don't get a mainline entry on Wii U. You get a, a spin off on 3DS, you get the spin off on Wii U, the amiibo festival one, and you get the mobile game as well. But all of, like, the major consoles, you're going to get a game. And it's understandable why you don't get one on Wii U. They they saw the writing on the wall for that system, so they're probably moving mm. all efforts over to the next one. So, we're, we're at, you know, this is at your place now. This is not my cat, which has <laughs> right. been just been
1: (laughs) bothering us the whole time
0: um so for and this is a series it's going to get a mainline entry on every nintendo system into eternity like
1: oh yeah after again after especially after what happened with this most recent one like they would be fools to not currently be working on the next installment to come out maybe a year or two into the life cycle of the next platform Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, as far as iconography like you talked about Isabel KK slider already Tom Nook they got a bunch of uh, recognizable characters and a handful of like characters that people might like recognize as, as fun little villagers and one of the fun parts of the game is finding your favorite villagers to get into your town I think you go for an a with that one as well yep uh, sales. You already said 78 plus million for the series as as a whole. For the the GameCube version, you're looking at like 2.45 million. Wild World on DS sells over 11 million. New Leaf for 3DS sells over 13 million. City Folk on Wii only manages 4.3 million, which is a bit weird. Um, kind of a weird little outlier. But New Horizons for Switch. Uh, over 42 million almost 43 million copies that is insane um your, your offs aren't selling as much but like the floor on this series is like three or four million units for like spin-off type stuff um yeah, yeah the yeah. mainline series just sells absolute gangbusters that's an s
1: i i agree i put mid-s um um yeah this this thing is and, and you know and here's the thing if if New Horizons didn't happen. I would be still be putting this at like a B, mm. high B, and being like, why, why aren't they doing more of yeah. this? Stuff?
0: I mean, especially like the, yeah, no. the with the handheld games selling so many. Like, it's crazy how many yeah. of those sold. Um, mm-hmm. And as far as like the the reception or prestige of the series, like you were saying, usually reviews quite well. Uh, City Folk for the Wii is the worst reviewed of the mainline games, and it's still reviewed pretty well. Um, Amiibo no. festival, the spinoff was it universally reviled? I don't blame anyone for hating that game. It was a dumb game and a dumb idea. Like it is a huge deal when Nintendo announces like a new Animal Crossing or like does extra content or events. The series gets representation in Smash Brothers and in Mario Kart. There's merch and there's swag and there's Amiibo figures and Amiibo trading cards. Like this, this is a big deal. This series. So as far as like the the reception or prestige of the series, I think you go S there as well. Yeah, yeah. It's awesome. What do you think for overall?
1: Yeah, I think I think you got to put this in the yeah, S easily. I think it's a, it's, it's yeah, um, a relatively new entry into the S. Maybe a little lower than some of like a maybe a Mario Kart, uh, but yeah, absolutely S S tier for sure.
0: No question.
1: And, and going forward too. Going forward, you also know that like Nintendo has to be thrilled. Mm-hmm. With, with what's become of this franchise for them.
0: For sure. Uh let's do one of the, these these other ones. Uh, let's let's do WarioWare next.
1: Okay, this is actually the one that I least noted up. So I'm going to kind of lean a little bit on you for this one. Um I basically uh wrote it's it's a 10 game series essentially spanning 20 years um largely helmed by nintendo spd first installments were on the game boy advance um it's also seen installments on wii wii u and switch
0: yep uh, so the, the, just kind of the the overhead view of what this is it's a series of like bite-sized they call them micro games they're uh like 10 second little tasks that you do, and you play them in quick successions. And, and mini games had been a part of video games for quite some time. Think about like target practice games in Zelda, like card flipping or memory games in Mario, fishing games, and fucking everything. Um, th- th- these mini games are kind of side attractions to break up the momentum of a game and like give you a feeling of variety to the gameplay. But Nintendo takes that concept, shrinks it down even more. And it makes it gross. Like so you gotta like pick this guy's nose or something, um, and then just kind of like makes it really wacky. And the fun part of microgames is like you're always just on the cusp of, of screwing it up. You're just barely getting by in like these really quick blasts of tasks that you got to do. Um, and yeah. then there's like they they're doing this. They're making these games before mobile games get popular. Like this is pre-smartphone. You know you can get like little mobile games on your your flip phone at the time. Yeah. But not nearly the sort of popularity that uh, that mobile games would would have when smartphones become a thing. So a really unique concept, first time that I think sometimes is is taken for granted how inventive it was, because uh, because a lot of times it gets latched onto control gimmick, uh, whether it's like motions or like gyroscopic controls and like handhelds and stuff. But yeah, I think it's a, a really inventive series. But just going through. Well, and also they have
1: to like. Uh- It's funny because they have to just, in a couple of words, explain what you need to do because you've got just a few seconds to do this before the next one happens. So it'll be like, you know, like, spread the jelly and it's a giant piece of toast and you've got to drag a knife across it or it'll be like, uh, keep the cat dry. And it's like this cat that's running around while you're holding an umbrella over the rain. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know, so again, they've got like three or four word um, kind of demands For you to do, yeah, (laughs) and just these really. And again, they're all so silly. They're all such fun little animations.
0: It's it's really impressive, like the sort of effective communication they can do because they're they're telling you like this really quick sentence fragment of the thing that you need to do. You need to understand what it is that they're asking you, and then understand what you need to do in order to accomplish it within just a few seconds. Really, really effective. Uh, but for, for the longevity, you get the first games in two thousand three, both on the Game Boy Advance and GameCube. Ever since,
1: we'll talk about that real soon. Yeah, huh?
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, since then, you got entries on every system: DS, Wii, 3DS, Wii U, Switch. The second one will be out on Switch within uh, a few weeks here. So I, th- yeah, yeah, the, the most recent one's coming out in November. Mm-hmm. I, I think for longevity, you get an A there. It's been around for quite some time now. Uh, iconography. Mm-hmm. Wario, pretty recognizable character. Uh, I don't think he belongs in like the same tier as like Yoshi, though. There's a ton of uh, fun, wacky characters that are also part of the series. I can't name any of them offhand. Uh, the normies yeah. certainly won't know them. For iconography, he is somewhere at the par of like the Bowser kids, sure,
1: or the the Koopa sure. kids. You know,
0: uh, I, th- I think for that maybe you, you go with a B for iconography. Yeah. Uh, for sales, there's not a ton of specific data out there. Um, mega. I did search the
1: best-selling Wii and Switch titles, and I just did a control F for Wario, mm-hmm. and the three WarioWare titles all, at worst, sold like two and a half million copies. One I think had like five million in sales. Really, which one? Um, I'll I'll see if I can track that one down real quick. Okay. Let's just... But yeah, yeah. So there, there were a couple that actually have have, have sold pretty well. It seems like
0: it, the series does okay for itself. So the um the the data that I have, Omega Micro Games, which was the Game Boy Advance one, mm-hmm. does break a million units, one point one million. I couldn't find any data on Mega Party Games, which is the GameCube version, but there's no Player's Choice version of that game. So that means it sold less than a million. I couldn't find anything for Twisted. Touched for the DS did pretty well. Did uh, two point four seven million. Um, there's no data for Snapped because I was a DSiWare game. I couldn't find anything for DIY. Game and Wario yeah. was a Wii U game. I don't really expect much from that. I mean, I, and Get It Together, which was the the Switch one, I found uh one point three four million. Hmm. Okay. So you know, like th- no, I'm not
1: saying it. Maybe it was. A, it might have been another Wario title. Mm-hmm. I do see Wario Smooth Moves has two and a half million sold. Smooth Moves making it the thirtieth best Wii title.
0: Okay, but no.
1: that's still no. That's not that great numbers. It's not not
0: the best. Yeah, I think like enough to. Uh where, you know like I I'd probably give it a C. Like it it does well enough to keep going. What what do you think for, for sales? Mm, yeah,
1: that's a little under what I had initially expected. Yeah, I think I think I mean maybe a high C, low B even. Like that's that's not bad. Ten installments, if each one sold a million, that's ten million units. Yeah, right. I'd say that's that's probably in a high C.
0: Um, and as far as like the the sort of reception or the the, procedure of the series, the reviews are very up and down for each game. There are some people that really latch on to some of the the, the, the gimmicky control stuff that they do, and some people that just like it isn't their style game. Um, I think there are people at Nintendo who really like doing these sort of games because they get really inventive with the The types of things that they ask you to do, like we were talking about before, I think this the style of game really meshes well with Nintendo's general philosophy of just getting a bunch of people in a room and having wacky fun, doing dumb things together. Uh, and there are times where they try to do this sort of thing, like with games like One, Two, Switch, where they have uh, not very much success, and they seem to, you know, always seem to be able to to deliver an interesting product with WarioWare, even if it's not always uh, super well-reviewed. So I think for that, maybe you go with a C. Do you have anything in mind for that general category?
1: Uh, I'm not, not going to fight you on that. One. I think a C is probably
0: good. Uh, I think uh, overall for WarioWare, a respectable C. Yeah,
1: I think that that actually sounds pretty reasonable. Um, and if I did have any notes, again, I think this is another one of those series that add it to my little bundle of games I just want to put on cell phones. Mm. I want I want a mobile version of this along with, you know, Brain Age and, and Ten Dogs and I feel like there's a, you know it's hard to play a game so simple and silly on something like a Switch when the alternative is a game like Tears of the Kingdom mm. or something. Maybe potentially a more meaningful game. You just were talking about Cocoon. That is that is they're they're both puzzle games. WarioWare and Cocoon are puzzle games. <laughs> But one has a, certainly has more grandeur than the other, and I think WarioWare where probably works better as a
0: silly little mobile game that you could pop up every once in a while on your phone. We're gonna get to Nintendo Dogs at some point, but yeah, like that—that's a game where, like, they they'd move so many copies just having it on a mobile device. Yeah. Anyway, uh, you want to take the lead on ten eighty? Sure, yeah. So 1080,
1: um, this is kind of an easy one to get through because there's essentially two yep. titles. Uh, I have it written here that it was made by Nintendo Software Technology. Um, Their dev support, mostly for EAD and EPD, I do see that they get a lead producer credit on the just newly released f 99. Okay. Um, so, so good for them on yeah. that. Um, you know what, F-Zero is not dead, so that's nice <laughs> to hear. And it looks like neither are these guys. They're, they're, um, they're a big part of that. And it looks like, yeah, prior to that, they had just been doing um, a lot of support work for other really big titles coming out through Nintendo's first-party software lineup. Uh, yeah, so like I said, only two games. You got 1080 Snowboarding, which came out in 1999 on the N64, and then a game called 1080 Avalanche, which came out in 2003 for the GameCube. So I guess, again, maybe sometime next year we'll talk about that one on the retro show um, I it's it's obviously it's a snowboarding game. It's a it's a snowboarding. I think the idea is that this is supposed to be more of like a technical racing snowboarding game as opposed to, um, like what we would most commonly probably think if anyone said snowboarding in video games, you would probably think SSS. Mm-hmm. I think like um, uh, I, I think,
0: 1080 Avalanche was supposed to be more of like a trick based kind of thing, but, it, but yeah, uh, N64 was definitely more of a a, a racing.
1: I see that this is interesting, that literally in 1998, when this game came out, on the N64, it was one of three different snowboarding titles that came out. (laughs) So there is a lot of competition for this extreme sports base. That said, I do see here that it sold about 2 million units. Um, So that was way better than I thought it would be, considering it's 1080 snowboarding, and it looks like a kind of a boring game, frankly. Um, Its sequel did not do very well. It didn't crack a million Mm -hmm. units. Um, and it also got pretty poor reviews. The reviews were kind of unkind to that. Yeah, game. I think at
0: that point, um, there there were it was definitely getting outclassed by like something like an SSX. But there were so many like extreme sports and snowboarding games that, like, if uh, I were working at Nintendo at the time, it was like, why are we bothered doing this ourselves? If all these other developers yeah. and publishers are making snowboarding games, why are we doing this? And you know, and I looked it up too, like.
1: The entire SSX franchise is no prize. It's not like this is a franchise with like 20 or 30 million units sold. The series maybe combined over like five games has five or six million sold. Like we think instantly think of SSX. The fact is there's just not snowboarding Mm. games. There never was a good snow or never was like a mainstream big snowboarding game. And the same way that there was like a Tony Hawk. Pro skater kind of. Yeah, you know it's
0: it's interesting because like snowboarding games, especially from I don't know, probably like nineteen ninety eight when the original came out until about you know two thousand five two thousand six like there were there were a lot of them coming out, but none of them ever really achieved the sort of uh, uh, mainstream success as a Tony Hawk. It's like uh, uh, people developers at the time realized like snowboarding was like cool and popular something that it looked like people would want to do. But nobody really latched on to a uh, video game version of it. Maybe because like one of the fun things about Tony Hawk is doing all of the different tasks in this area, whereas snowboarding is like you kind of have to be moving downhill. Yeah, you you don't really get to survey the scene Mm -hmm.
1: too much. You kind of just have to keep going and pull off more tricks and look for more ramps if that's the objective, or to just sort of you know. Race fast. Hmm. No, but I don't think I don't even know. Does skateboarding have like time trials? <laughs> I've never seen like speed skateboarding. So th- I guess there's like the downhill luge thing that they do on those lying down boards, but that is not skateboarding. They
0: were actually um, on the Wii specifically i remember there was like a couple of tony hawk games that were like tony hawk downhill where it was you like you're on a skateboard and you're going through this downhill course and if they didn't do particularly well because that wasn't the fun thing about the game like you essentially created a snowboarding game without the snowboard and nobody liked that or it never achieved the same popularity as the stuff you were doing before
1: well and sonic adventures had that too Mm -hmm. and it did it so much better (laughs) Actually, we don't. We haven't even addressed this. Like, I never played these games. Did you even play these games? Only, no, only, uh, are there, are only a little bit. N sixty four. Okay. What was your opinion of the game? Did you actually just genuinely enjoy it when you played it?
0: And uh, no, that was fine. That's fine. Man, okay. I didn't play much of the time. I think I, I picked that one up specifically for doing the retro show. And you know. Uh, th- it's it's not a game that you know stands the test of time it's like you can sit down with 1080 on N64 and think like this is a really enjoyable experience in the year of our lord 2023 um, mm-hmm. it's more like it was interesting that this was the sort of thing that they were doing in 1998 it, was, it, wasn't, um, it wasn't like a broken okay. game it wasn't like poorly made it just wasn't uh, something that was interesting to play I see
1: yeah, that's I hate to say that's kind of what I thought this would be. Mm-hmm. I have two, two more lines written, and they are very depressing lines if you want to yes. hear them. Yes. Okay, uh, so in 2005, 2005, on the GameCube, and then in 2007 on the Wii, Nintendo will release both of the installments of the SSX series. Um, so, rather than pursuing in-house wasting their developing muscle on making snowboard games, they literally just took the series that had the market. And wasn't even, mind you, wasn't even fucking good at doing it. It did not sell very well, obviously. But they took those installments over something that they had already worked on building in-house. That's that's really bad. Yeah, and
0: there was, a, there was an SXX game, I think it was probably the 2005 one that you're talking about, uh, mm-hmm. where they put, uh, in the GameCube version, Mario, Luigi, and Peach in there as playable characters. And they didn't even bother oh, really? doing that like, with their own. Like, There's a Mario sports series franchise that we're going to talk about in a second here. They didn't bother doing a Mario yeah. Luigi Peach snowboarding game. They're just like, nah, these SSX these guys seem to have this figured out. Let's just let them use these characters. So they're putting the floaties on one child while the other one's flailing in the water. <laughs> on somebody else's kid.
1: Yeah. And then the last thing that I wrote is that, in my personal opinion, I think it's far more likely that they would release an SSX bundle Uh, Before they would release anything new Mm. with 1080. And I think if I got this right, it either has happened or will happen that it's going to be part of the N64 Retro Switch collection. Yeah,
0: it's announced
1: but not out yet. So, you know, it's going to come, like, you'll be able to play this game um, at some point on a Switch, and they're not even going to charge you for Mm. it. Unless they're charging you to buy a bunch of other N64 titles, they're not expecting much uh, dr- much of a draw with this one. Uh, but yeah, and even then, I don't I don't think there's going to be much of a desire to get SSX. Well, I think like back in
0: rotation. A either. lot of the reasons where some of these N64 games like 1080 Snowboarding, the reason that it ends up on these virtual services, like on the Virtual Console for Wii and Wii U, and now it's going to be on the Nintendo Switch Online uh, N64 app. Um, it's it's a first party game so it's easy for them to put that content out they don't have to license anything and a lot of times especially when you get uh, to the n64 era and past that a lot of the the games that you're dealing with are going to be uh licensed things especially on n64 or uh games that are going to be tied up with uh, sort of ip disputes especially with uh, microsoft owning rare now so you know if they want to you know sort of uh uh Satisfy people's nostalgia for N64 games. They got to l- work with the library that's accessible to them, and games mm-hmm. like 1080 Wave Race; those are games that are accessible to them. So they probably still will keep those available as long as they have a virtual service. Uh, I don't think that means that they care much about this franchise. It's just something. It, it's an N64 game that they have, so they can put it out there.
1: Yeah. Do we get down to just some some brass tacks ratings? Let's do it. Longevity? I got a I got a D minus. I think that you know this thing was relevant for maybe like a five year period. Mm.
0: You're you're a lot um, nicer than me. I gave it an F.
1: Okay, I think that's fine. You can give that an F. Um, sales. You know, the first installment did sell about two mm. million. So maybe you know somewhere in the neighborhood two and a half million as a franchise. We're looking at. I penciled in again. Would you believe it? D minus. Yeah, I, I got uh, not.
0: I got a C or a D, but I'm totally fine with that D minus
1: yeah uh reception the first game actually got really good reviews the second game got really bad mm. reviews i don't know c plus
0: yeah i, I got it as uh i got it as a d but i'm totally fine with a, a c plus yeah, yeah i think by the time avalanche comes out this series is pretty old hat
1: yeah um i think the most iconogra- iconographic thing in it is probably snow mm.
0: it's a bunch of randos and snow snowsuits
1: <laughs> i'll give it an f yep i'm, I'm
0: throwing all that together for a mid d oh, you're a lot nicer than I am. I, I had it uh, as an F, but I'm, I'm okay with... As an F? Yeah, I'm okay with giving it a, a D. I, I think... Be nice.
1: I, I think when we scroll through our F titles, we're looking at things that sold, again, 150,000 units. Okay. Uh, we're looking at... What else did I even give an F? I think maybe... I don't give very many Fs. So uh, I syndrome gave, Punishment. Uh, another yeah. Another code should uh, be... Legendary starfish Maybe sold a million units combined. That's a high I, mean, I guess you
0: could probably also make the argument that, like, Things in the F tier never really made a significant impact, whereas you know, 1080 for the N64 did impress some people at the time.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it 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 did okay. It did okay. They would have loved to have released ten games that sold two million, but they managed to squeak out one. So, yeah, that that's where I got it. I'm gonna say mid D. We'll we'll call it kind of a low D. All
0: right, works for me. That seems
1: fair. All right. Uh, do we have one left? Is that it? Just Mario we Sports? We Mario
0: Sports.
1: So this is a weird one because I don't even know exactly what we're rating. If if I'm taking this as meaning basically all of the tennis, golf, soccer, baseball, Olympics, mini games, the three-on-three basketball
0: game, we're looking at about 35 games. So I guess like... What did you think this I, was? I basically did the same thing. We could segment off the Olympics game... If you wanted to, because it's like a Mario and Sonic thing, Um, (laughs) I don't. I don't care. I I don't. I don't think it's going to make a significant impact on an overall score because they sold really well, but generally reviewed very poorly. So it kind of balances out.
1: Yeah, Um, and if we are yeah, so if we are taking that approach, we are talking about NES Open Tournament, which came out in 1987, all the way up to Mario Strikers, which just came out last Mm. year that is an extreme amount of time that is a lot of time that is basically the entirety of nintendo not like um so that's impressive this is, this is going to be a long-running series of games we're talking about. yeah
0: yeah and, and it goes for a while but like nes open tournament um well like mario was a playable in it it wasn't like branded as a mario sports game but even if you are starting with like the official first branded mario sports game you're looking at mario tennis in 1995 on the virtual boy so it's still something that's reaching back 30 years if you're using that metric
1: i was actually thinking it is kind of funny that i actually had the original game boy baseball and tennis games both of which had named characters as mario but like never appeared like Mario. i mean no excuse me baseball had named characters of mario and luigi as the lead pitcher is that true On both squads, but you don't see them looking anything like those two guys. It's just the names, and they all had names. So there's probably like a fucking Chet in there or something (laughs) as well. Mario was the referee Mm -hmm. in the tennis form of, of the tennis game on the Game Boy. For sure. So like... Of all things, I have not, honestly, and I will also tell you right now, I have not played a lot of these titles. I mean, I've played very few of these, but those are probably the ones I played the most, and I don't think they count.
0: Uh, I've I've played <laughs> uh, several of these. I like the the, the Mario Sports sort of uh, uh, franchise really ramps up on the N sixty four, so kind of a uh, mm-hmm. uh, late nineties, early two thousands thing uh, with like Mario Golf and Mario Tennis, and uh, both of those. Uh, sports are mainstays for the Mario Sports series. Kind of like the two go-to ones. And they bring some different sports. Like you're talking about baseball, soccer, basketball, Olympics, if we're counting that. And like it's, it's usually like the same developer that's doing specific sports. Like we've talked about uh, Mario Golf, Mario Tennis, Camelot, is the go-to developer for those games. The Mario Strikers games, there's three of those. Next level develop all three. There's a couple of baseball games. Namco developed both of those. Sega does the Olympics ones. And the one basketball game was developed by Square Enix. (laughs) What? (laughs) That's hilarious. Wild. They
1: probably got, like, really high or something and were like, sure, go ahead, Nintendo, we'll fucking do it, we dare you. (laughs) (laughs) We want to
0: collaborate on something with you, sports.
1: Yeah, give us Mario and we're going to make a
0: basketball game, you And there there were a couple of, like, compilations, (laughs) uh, Mario sports mix and things like that. It had a bunch of different games, like with uh, Mario playing dodgeball, Mario playing volleyball, and those didn't really uh, review particularly well either. Uh, but there's a, a ton of these games, and they're, they're all like kind of arcadey versions of these sports, rather than simulations. It's more about like a, a party experience rather than, you know, a, a, a virtual experience about what playing golf is actually like.
1: Oh yeah, like and then the soccer game, it's like five on five, I think it is something like that. Like mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. they they definitely have smaller rosters. And, you know, they expect you to play it, maybe, I'd say, maybe a little more blitzbally. Sure. y talking about Square Enix already. It feels like, sort of like, what Blitzball feels like as it's supposed to be this amalgamation of sports. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, because I, I played a lot of these, like, couch co-op with you, especially. I know we've played Strikers before, um, so, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I, I, I've noticed some consistencies within... The, I'm, I'm not sure how much you want to go into each one of those individually. I guess I could ask you, which of all of the different sports, if you just say golf, tennis, baseball, what, what's, which one do you like the most? Golf. Which one do you think is like golf. the most consistent and best? Yeah, I, I like
0: the golf ones the best. Um, for, for some reason, I like, I like video game golf. Not like simulation golf but like things like golf story and Mario golf where it's like an amalgamation of kind of golf but it's more about you know getting using all of the information that they give you they give you a ton of information using all of that to uh, line up your shot correctly and take all these these outside factors into account um, I think Mario golf does a good job of presenting you with enough information to where it feels like you you have a good chance of of success but yeah. That that's one where uh, Super Rush was the one on Switch. I really got into that one. That was really fun. That came out last year, right? Or was that this year? Even I think it might have been uh, 2000, 2021.
1: It must have been last year. Oh yeah, two years. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. the most recent one was that Strikers mm-hmm. game. Um. Okay. Well, then, yeah. I mean, I, if I can, I'll get in some points here real yeah. quick. Uh, I think that the sales are highly variable, but it seems like recently. Most of these games are gonna sell a good amount, maybe three to four million a piece. Some seem to go a little higher, some go a little lower. And of course, if you're looking at games from like nineteen ninety five who knows what the sales are really gonna be. But it seems like nowadays if you know if in twenty twenty four they announce there's gonna be another, a uh, soccer game i would expect it to sell at least a couple
0: million games. yeah there's kind of a window somewhere between like maybe five million and, uh, 2 million and five million and they're gonna land somewhere within there i've
1: noticed that nobody had nobody has ever like because i did look up some stuff about this nobody is ever like this is the good one mm. this is like the best one or like oh yeah sure they made a bunch of baseball games but holy shit this baseball game was the best you know it seems like everyone's just sort of like yeah you know they're they're fun installments as they go along they're not iterative but you know you kind of they're a known commodity and the reviews generally are just bad mm. they get a lot of reviews claiming that they are either average or low effort some call them cash grabs uh, bare like, bones it, it get it yeah it really depends on on which one you're looking at again cuz like you said there's so many different production companies Making these different games, um, and you know, I'm sure there's some good, there's some
0: bad. Yeah, there's uh, uh, especially within the general gaming uh, community, there there's a desire for these things to be more than just a sort of arcade version of these sports. The, I think the example that a lot of people use uh, when talking about these games is there the the Mario Golf for Game Boy Advance had like this single player sort of RPG adventure mode to it, and people are the, one of the big complaints is they want them to r- duplicate that in other mario sports games but they never have done that it's pretty much just you know here's here's your your party mode for this sport and sometimes it will be like a single player mode but you're kind of playing these exhibitions or tournaments if you're engaging with the game um oh that would be hilarious could you imagine like a maybe like a mario baseball manager ah, amazing all right? So I, how fun would that be? There's a um, uh, a career mode or something. <laughs> I you remember that game uh, Nino Kuni Wrath of the White Witch? Oh
1: yeah, yeah, I remember. That, that the one.
0: developer of that game, uh, Level 5, also does this soccer RPG series called Inazuma Eleven. And I think it'd be really fun to get that developer to do like a Mario a baseball RPG where you're like the the Manager of the team and trying to build your team and and maximize everyone's value, because um, like a uh, 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 sports games when it gets to like like the the number crunching like stat managing kind of stuff it has has a bit of uh, overlap with RPGs in that sense. You're totally right. I, I
1: had I actually was going to pitch you a game, but I think you're pitching me the game right
0: now. Oh, oh what was yours?
1: Oh, uh, you know, I think that. Um, again, you keyed in on how people do love angles and geometry. How has there really never been a cool Mario Billiards game? Hmm. You know, just straight up billiards on a table, but then you could also have different play modes. You could have really cool environments around you. You could, do, again, do the same scenario they do with all the other games where different characters have different neat tricks they can do. And- like, oh no, Donkey Kong dropped a banana peel onto the table. yeah. I think that would be really fun. Or yeah, like the boo can teleport a ball or something like that. Or mm. you know, yeah, I think I think there's there's definitely a, a lot of fun that can be had, and people just do like billiards games. I think
0: they're genuinely pretty cool. Yeah, like in the, it's not just like pool, but there's all sorts of different billiard games you could yeah mess around with.
1: Um, I also think we kind of have to bring up, even though it's it's tangentially related, that like t- two of the top five selling Wii games of all times have sports in the title, and it's not Mario it's wii sports <laughs> wii sports yeah. like crushes the entire mario sports thing yeah and you know like so. wii,
0: wii sports was a pack-in title in north america but ever i think everywhere else in the world in japan certainly it was sold separately and i, I don't remember if they sold it separately in europe mm-hmm. or the other pal regions um but yeah it does have that advantage of being sold with wii's in north america that's a good point that is a good point it
1: did generate a lot of sales because that
0: of that um
1: it's just kind of when i was looking up numbers on games and i was just like oh my god you're kidding me fucking wii sports sold that many units
0: there there was there was a time where wii sports was the best selling game of all time and you know of course uh, uh, people on the internet are always mad about something but there are people like no it doesn't count it's a pack-in like well so was mario world for a little bit yeah that is that is very really, very funny.
1: Um, yeah, I, I guess uh, the only other thing I would say because I feel like I've been sort of up and down with my my you know praise and criticism of this thing. I guess, but I do think it's it's again significant that we're looking at 35 games. You know, we're mm-hmm. looking at a lot a lot of games over a long long time. Every year you're getting at least one or two of these games, and they're selling three five million units. It's it's good. It's just it's. You know, it's meat for the machine. Like, mm-hmm. you need to have games come out. It's cool that Nintendo in-house can produce this content. When you do hit a console that sometimes has has some some dead time, where maybe they don't have a successful year, um, to be able to look back and say, like, you know, hey, at least we hit them up with a good golf game, or at least there was, you know, like a like a Olympics game or something.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's uh, a. a- Pretty consistent source of revenue for something where you're, they're not expecting to have a huge amount of investment put into it. Yeah. Um, but for, for specific stuff, yeah, sure. Uh, I, I guess like depending on when you are counting when it starts you're going to at, at least an a did you have an, uh, an opinion on longevity oh i, I put a, uh, an s in there going back into the
1: 80s we're looking um yeah
0: certainly if you're if you're reaching back to nes if definitely. that
1: one was allowable or whatever but yeah yeah even then like they're cons- again this is the most like consistent franchise if we can call mario sports a franchise they're con- constantly releasing games and have been for forever
0: yeah for for iconography i put an s there as well i mean it's motherfucking mario it's yeah, our boy mario you can't and it is an cast of pals and a bunch of other nobodies like mario sports games are weird because every once in a while you'll have like charge and chuck and <laughs> there's a playable character yeah. which all right sure uh, oh uh a, a quick note about mario hoops three on three it's such a fucking weird one square enix makes this this basketball game with mario uh on the original ds and like the square enix characters that it puts in there is like black mage white mage cactar like it's it's fucking square enix and these are like the icons that are putting into their game it was so weird oh they didn't you know they didn't
1: want to commit their top tier ip they're Mm -hmm. just like here you go What, what did you think for sales uh i give it an a uh again they consistently selling multiple millions per, with, with each of these installments over such a long time it adds up gosh it adds up. i am i don't i didn't have the full numbers in front of me but i'm guessing we're probably looking at 100 million sales combined mm. maybe, maybe that's a little generous probably somewhere between 80 to 100 i would guess
0: uh it- yeah, that that works for me for for the sort of reception or procedure series. I gave it a C. It's pretty all over the place with reviews, but it's very consistent. They'll release these things and it does well with them. Um, they they do you know they they make a push with these games when they do like Nintendo Directs or when they have demos. They'll sometimes like offer free trials on uh, with the Switch versions of these games. Mm-hmm. Um, and look look what we were talking about people seem to want more out of this series than what it is and maybe someday we do get something like that but for now like it does all right yeah i i agree see uh and for an overall score i went with an a
1: i put high a um i think that you know you can't it just doesn't feel right to say this is s Mm. um but yeah it's consistent it's, it's, it's there so it's 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 good
0: yeah i think it's definitely held back by the uh uh, general perception of the quality of the game. I think if they were to put out a bunch of games that, you know, people were really happy with, it could definitely get itself bumped up. But. It's like the opposite
1: of Animal Crossing. Animal Crossing is mm. like the quality over quantity, and then Mario Sports is definitely the quantity over quality.
0: Mm-hmm. Which even then, mm-hmm. like
1: at the times i played them, I've enjoyed them. They they look like they've got spit and polish on them. Like, they look like they've made good-looking games. It's just that it seems like people are disappointed, or they want more.
0: Yeah. There we go. Tier rankings done. That they are. Four more. Four more in the bank.
1: We're four, getting there. We're maybe sure. like two thirds of the way done here.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We made uh, some some good progress, and I think like there is still, you know, a handful in there that'll probably rank decently high but i think we've we've definitely gotten through uh most of the the highest profile ones at this point are you are you setting this up so that we can just sort of dump like 10 franchises
1: at the end of this and just be like well i didn't really want to talk about all these other ones so bye bye uh
0: excite bike <laughs> i mean i i don't think that we're going to need to spend a whole lot of time on custom robo right but, you know, i guess it depends on like if, if we get to the point where we can like say like, yeah these are the ones that we have left we can definitely knock out six of these i think so yeah there could probably be some quick hits on you know maybe the funnier things
1: we find out about some of these titles of famicom detective club
0: <laughs> oh ring fit is on your list that's hilarious yep yep and, and you know I, I guess maybe not technically a uh a series yet but they've they've done other fitness games a good uh bundle all the fit things together because like we fit and we fit you yeah um but yeah, that was a hugely successful like fitness series from them. Oh, sure it was. Yeah, there was like a run on them for a while there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, next up we're going to do a retro show. Oh, wow, wow, wow. And it's going to be a busy one. It is. There's just too much happening. There's just way too much going on. We should, uh, we should probably do an in-person one for that one so that we can split it up into different files easily. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's probably a good idea. And then... Uh, We'll wrap it all up at the end of the month with an official show, and we're going to be talking about a new 2D Mario when we do that show. That's Wonder, right? Wonder will be out by then. Mario Wonder is out in seven days. Oh my gosh, I didn't realize it was going to be that soon. Yup. Yup, yup, yup. Here it comes. Yeah, looking forward to it. Hell yeah. But that's it. End of podcast.
1: Alright, later, Gator. (laughs) (laughs) mm <laughs>